It's May 15th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and today, as always, I'm going to be reading through the one-year Bible plan in the New Living Translation. We're going to jump in with our Old Testament reading, 1 Samuel 17, verse 1 through verse 18, sorry, through chapter 18, verse 4. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soko in Judah and Azekah at Ephes Demon. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on the opposite hills, with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor-bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. "'Why are you all coming out to fight?' he called. "'I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. "'Choose one man to come down here and fight me. "'If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. "'But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. "'I defy the armies of Israel today. "'Send me a man who will fight me.' "'When Saul and the Israelites heard this, "'they were terrified and deeply shaken.' Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephraimite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Elab, Aminadab, and Shema, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For forty days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked a soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine? And ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyways, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Elab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway? He demanded. What about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. 
What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on and strapped a sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sheriam, as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistines, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. 
Jonathan sealed the pack by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. And that concludes our Old Testament reading. Uh, yes, we did just read one of the most classic stories in all the Bible, David versus Goliath. And I just want to let the story kind of stand on its own without commentary. Several ways to read this story, several ways you can try to parse out morals for yourself. But I would encourage you, if you're going to put yourself in this story, you need to be the the uh, excuse me the Israelite army. You're cowering. You, you need somebody to save you. And this story, I believe, points most clearly to the gospel. And Jesus would be David in this scenario. We have an enemy. That enemy is death. We need a Savior to come and save us from our sin, which leads to death. Jesus is that Savior. Comes and lives the righteous life you and I cannot live. And dies the death we deserve to die, pouring out his blood, exhausting the powers of evil, and completely and totally taking upon the wrath of God upon himself, the justice that you so deserve to take, only to rise again three days later, or on the third day, uh, bursting forth in new creation, proving he was who he said he was, victoriously, and promising that those who trust in him will actually be able to uh, be and take part in that life just as he does. That the new creation includes the world, and it includes you, and it includes I. It is the gospel that if you trust in that, you are forgiven for your past sins. You have the Holy Spirit and dwell in you, giving you power for mission now and making you more like Christ on this journey, giving you the will and desire to work out your salvation in fear and trembling, and the future hope that one day you will be a part of God's new creation when Jesus returns, not as a suffering servant, but as a glorious king. That is what the story of David and Goliath most rightly points to, and it is epic, and it should make us worship Jesus, who is the greater David. And in this story, we see glimpses that David maybe possibly did this out of selfish motivation, and we know Jesus did what he did only out of complete selfless motivation. The God of this universe laying down his life for the creation that had slapped him in the face. Yeah, beautiful. New Testament reading today, John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. Short reading. Later Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I am going. The people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean, you cannot come where I am going? Jesus continued, you are from below, I am from above. You belong to this world, I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Who are you, they demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am He. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases Him. Then many who heard Him say these things believed in Him. Sorry, I, I put a comma in there that was not actually in there, so I'm going to read that last sentence one more time. It'll make a lot more sense. Then many who heard Him say these things believed in Him. And that is my hope with this podcast, friends. That concludes our New Testament reading for the day. My hope is that as you hear Jesus say these things, you hear these epics about Jesus, you would ultimately believe in him, trust in him. And that trust is not just saying, I trust in Jesus or praying some magical prayer. No, it's I really believe he is who he says he is. And I'm going to repent 
which means I'm, I'm going to turn from my wisdom, my way of doing things. I'm going to lay down my crown, my authority over my own life, and I'm going to give it to Jesus, turning from my wisdom to his wisdom, because I truly believe he is who he says he is. Moving on to our proverb of the day, Proverbs 15, verse 11. Even death and destruction hold no secrets from the Lord. How much more does he know the human heart? And finally, we'll be reading prayerfully Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good. All his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true, to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Yes, Lord, we do praise you. We praise you for your commands because we know they lead to life. Uh, Lord, and we praise you for your mercy, and we thank you, God, that although we as people cannot live up to your commands and we deserve your justice, Christ has come and paid that penalty for us. And not only has he paid that penalty for us, but he's imputed or given us his righteousness so that we might share in his blessings and live in your presence. And Lord, he's given us your Holy Spirit, so although we never will fully be able to live out your commandments, we strive to, to work towards living them out. And we have a will and a desire and a power to now live them out, thanks to what you have done for us in the gospel. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading. Let me know what you thought, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow for another day of reading through the Bible together.